Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. It's good to be in Baytown. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Amen. Thankful, grateful for the privilege and the opportunity to be back with the people that we love so much here in Baytown, each and every one of you. God bless you this morning, and we're trusting the Lord. Hope you've been in prayer for what God wants to do in these services today. I believe that God's going to show up and show up large. How about you? Amen. There will be people here, no doubt, with needs and uh, circumstances and situations that need the church and the Lord to minister to, and we all want to be a part of that. And what God wants to do, we'll make ourselves available to the Lord to use. And uh, we want to go to the Word of the Lord this morning. Is that okay? Amen. First Samuel chapter 2, if you want to turn in your Bible there, uh, read a few verses of Scripture from the second chapter of the book of First Samuel. I know it's a story that everybody will most likely be familiar with. Uh, I probably don't have anything new to tell you, anything that you don't already know, but just let me remind you of some things this morning from the Word of the Lord, and I think it'll help us and and, uh, put our minds in the right place, and uh, we can just let God move us from there. Is that okay? 1 Samuel chapter 2. Verse number 1, we'll begin reading there. And Hannah, everybody say Hannah. You can stand if you like for the reading of the word of the Lord, honor of the word of the Lord. And Hannah prayed and said, this is Hannah's prayer. You know Hannah is the mother of the prophet Samuel, and uh, you're familiar with her story. This is her prayer after Samuel uh, is born, after God gave her this gift that she had Long for so greatly. Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee. There is, neither is there any rock like our God. I think we can all say amen to that. Talk no more so exceeding proud. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumble are girded with strength. That they, were, they that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dung hill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he hath set the world upon them. 
He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king, and exalt the horn of his anointed. Let's stop reading there uh, for the sake of this today. You see in this prayer that Hannah has prayed, her joy, her jubilation, her rejoicing in what God has done. She begins to exalt and extol the hand of God that has waxed mighty in her life. This is kind of the end of the story that we have of Hannah here, and I want us to go back to the beginning, and we'll kind of start there. But understand that God is at work, and God is doing things uh, in the lives of his people there. And let's explore and talk about uh, some things there. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer real quick. God, we love you and we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity of being in your house in your presence with your people today. Lord, we open our hearts and minds to your word. We pray that you would fill us, O Lord, with your glory. Let our praise and worship exalt the very throne of God today. Do in our midst, O Lord, what you desire to do. We ask it and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody turn around and shake somebody's hand, smile at them real big before you're seated, and you can sit down. Amen. First Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 1, we will kind of begin at the, the, uh, the very beginning there if you want to turn there and just follow along with us in Scripture as we go through the Word of the Lord. And I pray that the Lord gives us understanding and uh, talks to our hearts today and helps us to see and understand some things that will help us in days to come. If, uh, if I could title our lesson today, I'd call it From Victim to Victor. Probably all of us here today, it's not a mentality that we uh, cherish or need to cherish, or but we probably all felt like a victim at some time uh, or another in life. Life just kind of has a way of, of doing things, and we we uh, feel like maybe we've been wronged or, or things have been said, and, and maybe we're, we're the, the victim of somebody's words or, or deeds or just situations and circumstances, but God's plan for us is not for us to be victims doesn't matter what what your race your color your 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 financial uh, level in life god does not intend for us to be victims god intends for his people to be victors and he intends for us to rise above and if we will allow him to help us i believe that god will help us to rise above every situation and circumstance in life amen we read uh, this portion of Scripture kind of from the end of the story we talked. We were turning back to uh, the beginning. First Samuel chapter 1 and verse 1. And Hannah's story, we're talking about Hannah today. And uh, this is the go kind of the go-to passage of Scripture. Uh, any minister or uh, pastor that's ever done a baby dedication has probably read from this passage of Scripture. And uh, because it, uh, it Hannah so exemplifies the heart of a mother. 
mother who desires a child and her, her dedication and consecration of Samuel to God. But the beginning of the story is a little bit different, and Hannah's story does not occupy a great deal of space in the Scripture. One of the things that we can learn, one of the things the Word of God speaks to us from Hannah's story, it begins in, in 1 Samuel 1 and 1, and we understand that most likely this is actually Samuel that is writing, that is pinning this story here in the beginning. He is telling the story of his own beginnings and his, his family, his mother, his father, where he comes from. But Hannah's story really only occupies just about a chapter and a half in the Word of God. About chapter 2, verse number 21, we don't hear much about Hannah. It's, it's kind of over. Her story is told, and, and the Word of God moves on from there. And if you are measuring contribution, if you're measuring contribution to the plan of God and the will of God by the space that is allotted, you'd be tempted to think, well, Hannah's pretty insignificant, not really very important to the plan of God and the will of God. If you, if you measure by her notoriety, by the space that is there, anybody ever felt insignificant? You don't have to raise your hand. Like you didn't matter very much, things in life, and, and, and in, the, in the big picture, who am I? And David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? He, he must have been feeling rather insignificant. We probably all felt a little bit insignificant at some point in time, but aren't you glad God doesn't see things that way? Aren't you glad God doesn't view things the way that, that we uh, often see things? And the enemy wants us to feel significant or rather insignificant uh, most of the time. If he can talk us into or whisper in our ear uh, negative things and, and we'll begin to see ourselves as not very important. But that's not the will of God. That's not the plan of God. It doesn't matter if it's an individual or a church or a congregation or, or, or anything like that. Insignificance is not God's plan for us. God doesn't value things. God doesn't measure value by notoriety. One of the most significant characters in the Bible, a contribution that surpasses uh, most other characters. Chances are you don't even know her name. She gave birth to three of the most important people in Scripture. In fact, if you ask a Jew today who the most important character in the Old Testament, you, they will probably name one of her sons, Moses. She gave birth to Moses. She gave birth to the first high priest, Aaron. She gave birth to the prophetess, Miriam. How many of know Moses' mother's name? I see a, a couple of hands. The truth of the matter, her story in Exodus chapter 1, the first part of the book of it, doesn't even call her by name doesn't even mention her name. You've got to dig deep in Scripture to find the name of Moses' mother. In fact, you have to dig deep into Exodus and Leviticus. Her name is mentioned in a grand total of two Scriptures in the whole Bible. One of the greatest contributors to the plan of God, and most people don't even know her name. Her name is Jochebed. Can you imagine, from our point of view, from a human perspective, we think, man, somebody that contributed that much, they should have a holiday named after them. 
They, they, they should, we should celebrate. We, 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 uh, we, we should know their birthday. We, we, but in the Word of God, God doesn't measure value by notoriety. Her name is Jacob Ed. Her, 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 we, we don't know. We go, we go to camp meeting. We go to camp meeting because Brother so-and-so is preaching. Hey, have you heard Brother so-and-so's preaching camp meeting, youth rally, NAYC, look at the big name. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I like good preaching. Nobody likes to sit and listen to boring very long. We, we like good delivery. But the truth is, we, we admire people of notoriety, but God sees things a little bit different. A few years ago, a friend of mine made a missions trip, went to Central America. When he got back, he and I were talking, having a conversation, sat down one day, and he was talking about the mission field and, and things that happen there and, and the people you meet and, and how your perspective changes when you, when you uh, are in a situation that's so different from then what we're used to, church services and, and culture and, and, and people's circumstances. And he, with, with a tear in his eye, he looked at me and he said, Brother Moody, some of the greatest Preachers in Pentecost don't even speak English. That was a great revelation to him. Here were these these people who are lived in abject poverty, who whose life and whose culture was so. We we come to church in our nice clothes and our nice cars, and we leave our nice homes and we show up and we worship and we praise and thank God for all the blessings. We are a blessed people, but they are people who eke out a meek, uh, meager living barely get by uh, in life. Uh, but friend of mine, they've got faith and they've got to walk with God. You, you may not ever know their name on this earth, but they're out there preaching the gospel and living for God and making an impact on their world. God doesn't measure value by our notoriety. Amen. You won't ever know their name on this side of glory, but they are anointed by God and their contribution to the kingdom is highly valued by God. Sometimes we say, I'm, I'm just a nobody. I'm, I'm just a nobody. Good. Because God likes to use nobodies. In fact, that's who he uses most of the time. God delights in using people that don't care if they get the credit. Oh, my. I said God delights in using people that don't care if their name's in the bulletin. You can get quiet. That's all right. God delights in people whose heart and whose spirit and whose attitude is all about Him getting the glory and the kingdom going forward. Amen. i move on from that. Got a little tight right there. Amen. Amen. What are you trying to say, Brother Moody? When, when the devil whispers in your ear and tells you that you are insignificant, you don't need to resist. You don't need to fight with him. Don't get discouraged. The truth is that the enemy and the adversary is really afraid of what God does with insignificant people who are submitted to God. Last illustration, and I'll, I'll move on. Trying to help somebody get it today. It's, it's, it's not about whether my name is known. It's not about whether I get the credit or the accolades for anything that happens in the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 9, Saul is on the road to Damascus to persecute 
the believers. A great light shines. He hears the voice of God. He is struck blind. You know the story. He is carried uh, away. And, and God speaks to a man by the name of Ananias. He tells him, this man, this Saul that's persecuting is a chosen vessel by me to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. And God has to kind of talk Ananias into going to pray for him. And he, he goes down and, and prays. And Paul, Saul is, is converted. He becomes Paul and he receives his sight. And Paul immediately begins to preach Christ, the Bible says. And the Jews immediately begin to conclude that they need to shut down this prominent Pharisee that's been converted and is converting others. The Bible says they took counsel to kill him. But the Bible says that the disciples of Damascus let Paul over the wall in a basket. When we think about that, we realize that they had 14 books of the New Testament in their hands. Letters to the churches that 2,000 years later you and I rely heavily on for instruction and reproof and doctrine. They had the entire revival system for Asia Minor in their hands. What's their names? We don't even know their names. The Bible doesn't even record their names. It just calls them disciples. Did they have value? I say so. Did they have an impact on the kingdom of God? You better believe it. But all the credit and the glory goes to the Lord. They were important to the kingdom of God. Don't... Let the enemy convince you that your contribution is unimportant. Well, Brother Moody, well, I just come, I'm just a part, I just warm the pew, and your contribution is important. You, you probably do more than you think you do. Don't let the enemy whisper to you that because your name is not in the credits that your value to the kingdom is inconsequential. Everybody has value. Everybody has a ministry. Everybody has a job. God has a plan for you. God has something that He wants you to do, you to be a part of, you to be involved in. In this church congregation, God has a plan for your life. God has a spot. You're a piece of the puzzle, the great the, the, whatever the big picture is that God has for, for Peace Tabernacle and Baytown, you are a piece of that puzzle. When you remove that, there's an empty space. The picture is not complete. Understand that you are a significant piece of that puzzle. Hannah, you weren't given a whole lot of space in the Word of God, but wow, the contribution that you made to the kingdom of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're important. Look at your other neighbor and say, you are significant. Look at me and say, Brother Moody, your contribution matters. Thank you. Y'all are so sweet. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm encouraged. Amen. We're talking about Hannah. All right, here's what we need to do for the next 15 or 20 minutes. I need everybody in here to, to uh, use your imagination, okay? Guys, this will be a little tough for us, but you can handle it. You're, you're grown. Everybody in here is going to be Hannah. You're going to become Hannah. You're, you're going to be, uh, you, you, I don't know, just, just men, just pretend like this is a part of the church. The church is referred to as, as uh, in the feminine most of the time, okay? So, so you don't feel, uh, 
All right? You understand? I guess you could be a man and still be named Hannah. That'd be a little odd, but, uh, but you're, you're Hannah. Anyway, every, you're, so when I say Hannah, I'm talking to you. Take your finger and point it at yourself and say me. All right. First Samuel chapter 1, a few verses of Scripture there if you want to follow along. The Bible says, now, I'm from Mississippi, so there's a couple words in here that we're going to struggle with, all right? So just so you know. Now, there was a certain man of Ramathim Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. Uh-oh. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship, to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. The priests of the Lord were there. By way of introduction here, the Word of God gives us the names of some people, the characters involved in this story. There was uh, Hannah, of course, the main character there. There is her husband, Elkanah, her sister wife, Penina. There is Eli, the high priest, and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, the, the, the priests that served the tabernacle in Shiloh, the characters uh, of this story. I want to tell you, number one, point number one, if, you, if you're taking notes and writing things down, Hannah, people... Uh, are important. People are important. Sometimes people become liabilities to us. Sometimes people become uh, just a pain to us. Sometimes, well, can I be real? Sometimes people aggravate us and frustrate us. But people are important. God uses people to mold you and shape you. God uses people to encourage you. God uses people to, oh my, test you. God uses people to sharpen you. God uses people to knock off the valueless things. Somebody said, I heard the story a long time ago. I think it was Michelangelo, the great sculptor. Somebody asked him, how do you create? How do you, what's the process? What do you, how do you produce such great and marvelous works of sculpture? He said, when I look at a stone, I envision uh, the image that I want to produce, and then I take the hammer and the chisel, and I knock off everything that's not that image. I think sometimes that's kind of, or it feels like it anyway, that's what God does with us. He envisions what He wants us to do and be and produce, and He he takes life and people and kind of knocks off everything that's not what He wants us to be. God uses people to, to... shape us and mold us. Seldom does God create vessels instantaneously. Most of the time, we are made on the potter's wheel. We are formed and we are shaped. Whatever God is making you into, whether this is a church thing or a personal thing, whatever God, allow God the privilege of of creating and molding and shaping you and look at people in a different light. That person that agitates you and aggravates you and gets under your skin. Understand that they could be the fingerprints of God on your life. That God is trying to mold you and shape you into something different than you are. 
The Bible says of Elkanah, there was a certain man. Give you an illustration and, and be a little bit transparent here. I, I struggle sometimes. I have some issues. I, I'm, I'm not a perfect uh, person. Far from it. In fact, most all of you are, are much better people than I. I there, there was a, a man, a preacher, a minister, a pastor. All right? Don't, it's just an illustration. Don't do like I do. Who, uh, I, I saw something that he did. And preachers aren't perfect by any means. They're not any, not any perfect preachers. They're not any perfect pastors or ministers or, or people anywhere. But he did something that I saw, and because of what I saw in him, I, I kind of I built a wall. I, I didn't want to have anything to do with him. I didn't want to support him. I didn't want any part of his ministry, and I just kind of shut him down. And, and I, I looked at him in a very negative light. Everything that he did, all of his accomplishments, achievements by the hand of God were, were viewed in light of the mistake that he made. This went on for years. Some time ago, I, I was sitting in a service, and uh, the pastor was preaching, and he was talking about people. And he made the statement, and it, it caught my attention. It arrested my attention, and it, it sunk into my spirit. He said, don't let people's mistakes, don't let the mistakes of people cause you to build a wall that keeps the alma from contributing to your life. You can build a wall between people when they actually have a contribution that they can make in your life to help make you into something uh, and something better to be a blessing to you. He said, don't build a wall. I thought, man, oh man, guilty. Lord, forgive me. Unbeknownst to me, just a few services later, I sent in a service where I did not know, but that man, that minister that I had built that wall between myself and he, was ministering, was preaching. Oh, man. I wanted to elbow my wife and say, come on, let's go. I don't want to hear this. But I remembered what the pastor had said. So, I, I all right, we sit here and, and we'll listen. I'm going to tell you, that man preached to my situation. He said some things in his message, in his delivery that spoke to exactly what I was dealing with and going through. And he said some things that I put in practice in my life and God blessed it and multiplied it. And it was a tremendous blessing to me. God has the ability to use people that you don't even like in your life to contribute, to mold and make, shape you. View things from God's perspective and let God, don't, don't discount anything. Let God use things because God will, He uses circumstances and situations and He uses storms and He uses trials and valleys and He uses blessings, but most often God uses people. And I think the Word of God is speaking to us and telling us in 1 Samuel chapter 1 as He introduces the characters in Hannah's story. Hannah, there's some people in your life. They're all going to play different roles, but they're all contributing to what I want to do in you and with you and through you. Amen. God uses people to develop you both good and bad. Electricity, and I'm not an electrician or an electrical engineer, but I know enough about it that it takes both the positive 
and the negative charges to make electricity flow. You've got to have the positive and you've got to have the negative in your life and God will give you both of those things so that there is a flow in you and through you. Amen. Everybody that hurts you is not your enemy. Everybody that helps you is not your friend. That's just the way life is. The person you think that's against you may be God's tool to grow you, to prepare you for the great blessings to come. Verse number 2, let's, let's, uh, let's skip down and read. start with verse number, uh, number 4. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife. He had gone to Shiloh to, to make sacrifices, to give offerings. He offered to Penina his wife, who was very fruitful and very productive and had many children. He offered to Penina his wife and to all her sons and daughters portions, portions, to sacrifice, to give, to to worship with. But unto Hannah, who had no children, he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Hannah people are important. Number two, Hannah, appearances can be deceiving. Appearances can be God's plan. I saw this quote the other day. I, I, I wrote it down. I, I liked it. It speaks such a great truth. God's plan for your life far exceeds the circumstances of your day. God's plan for your life far exceeds the circumstances of your day. Hannah wants a son. Hannah wants a baby. Hannah wants a child expectations in this world. We all live with expectations, don't we? You have a job, you've got a boss that's got some expectations. If you're married, you've got a spouse that's got some expectations. If you have children, they, they need uh, food on the table and a roof over their head and safety and security. Everybody has expectations of us. We are expected to obey the laws of the land so that there is order in society. In the church, we have expectations. Your brothers and sisters have expectations. Your pastor has expectations. God has expectations. How we deal with those speaks to our sense of responsibility. I want to please the boss at work. I have a sense of responsibility to do my job and do it right and produce and be, be, be beneficial to whomever I work for. We have a sense of responsibility to, to God and on the spiritual side, church, and the things of God. In Hannah's world, there was an expectation that a mother would produce children. And it was a very high expectation. Society and the culture of that day expected her to produce. And Hannah uh, had a great sense of responsibility to my husband, to my society, to culture. Even it was, it was beyond that. It was a God thing to be fruitful and to produce. And here she was, a married uh, a lady. And she did not have the ability, it seemed, to produce. She was not producing any children. Hannah desperately wanted a child, and more specifically, she wanted a son. She wanted to be able to carry on Elkanah's name and Elkanah's lineage. She, she was desperate for that. Hannah wanted a son, but God wanted a prophet. And there was some time in Hannah's life that there was a, a coming together of wills, if you please. 
God was saying, Hannah, I want to bless you with children, but first I've got to get you on my page. First I've got to get your will in alignment with my will. I want to bless you, and I want to bless you greatly. What you're going to produce is going to speak down through the ages. Samuel is going to be a noted prophet in both Judaism, Christianity, and in Islam. Samuel is a noted prophet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cause you to produce something that is great, but Hannah, first I've got to get you on my page. First I've got I've to get you thinking like I think. It looks like Hannah can't have children, but that's not true. Hannah was well capable of bearing children. Verse 5 tells us that God had closed her womb. Hannah can have children, however, at this point, Hannah can't handle the gift that God wants to give to her. Oh my. Sometimes that speaks directly to our situation. God has callings and giftings that He wants to give to His church and to His people, but there is a process of growing and maturing, a process of becoming what God wants us to be until Hannah could get to the place where she prayed later in Scripture and she said, God, if you give it to me, I'll give it back to you. Bingo. That's what turned the tide. That's what it caused God to say, okay, now you're ready for the gift that I want to give to you. When a young man or or young lady feels a call to public ministry, I think there is a tug of God. There is a molding, shaping process in their heart where God is trying to to bend them and shape them and and twist their thinking to the place where they say, whatever God you give to me, I'm going to give it back to you because God can give you talents and abilities that cause you to go in other directions. God can give you talents and abilities and gifts and you use them for your own purpose. Amen. Hannah's condition is not permanent, but it's contingent upon her spirit and her attitude and the way that she thinks. A vehicle, a car, a truck, whatever you like, is a, is a nice gift. It's a wonderful gift. But never do we hand the keys to a seven-year-old and say, have fun, good luck, see you when you get home. That, that's, that's not the way that we do things. We are wise enough and mature enough to understand it doesn't work there. No matter how badly they may want to drive. But I, want, I, I can do it. I can drive. A confident child. I, I remember a, a, a preacher friend of mine pastoring a church, and he had his, this was back, in the days before seat belts and car seats and all of those things. He had his, his little daughter. She was three or four years old. and She was standing on the seat uh, beside him as he went around town. He had to stop by the church to run and do so, something. And he, he pulls up to the outside door that just goes into his office, and he puts the car in park, and he opens the door, and he goes into the office, leaves his daughter standing there on the seat, and picks up whatever he's got to pick up to mail or or. Just, just a few moments, and he's back out the door, and he sees his vehicle going down the long driveway of the church toward the main road. Big, huge pine trees in the, in the church lawn, this driveway and traffic on the road. You can imagine what goes through a parent's mind. Oh, my goodness, why? why? 
And so he does the only thing that he can do as the car is rolling down the hill, picking up speed. He's chasing the car. The door is open, and his four-year-old daughter is standing on the driver's seat, both hands on the steering wheel. As he's running along beside the car trying to get in, she's just excited, just joyful, with glee. She's screaming, look, Daddy, I'm driving. Look, Daddy, I'm driving. He's going, yes, baby, you sure are. And there's a big pine tree right there. We don't give things to our children that they aren't mature enough to handle. God has giftings, my, I feel the Holy Ghost, for the church and for His people and, and for this assembly and for this city. God has untold, unspeakable, unimaginable revivals, but He's growing us. He's got us in a process. He's got us on the wheel where He's molding us, Hannah, and He's shaping us, Hannah, into the vessel that can handle the greatness that He wants to give. Submit to the process. Allow God to do in us and with us what He wants to do. Amen. Sometimes that process includes pruning. God has to cut away some things. God has to remove some things from our, our lives, our congregations, our, our, our existence. Sometimes God has to, to cut away some things. If you look in the dictionary, the encyclopedia, and you look up the word pruning, it will tell you that it is a process that, that keepers of trees use to make the trees more more fruitful. God prunes us. God molds us and makes us and shapes us into vessels that He can use. Hannah, you're not barren. You're just not ready. Hannah, don't let the enemy convince you that your circumstances are indicative of your identity. What you're going through today is not your identity. What you're facing today, it's just the process that God has us Nobody ever anywhere have you ever heard preach a message where they identified Hannah as the barren wife of Elkanah. No, sir. She is identified as the mother of Samuel, the great prophet. Just because I'm going through a season that I don't understand and it's difficult and, and, and it's hard and I'm not getting what I wanted and I don't think I'm fulfilling what God has designed me to do does not mean that's your identity. It means that God's preparing you for greatness. Hannah, I know right now you can't see it, and I, I know right now, Hannah, that you're frustrated and aggravated and, and weary of the fight. I know that right now it's a daily struggle to move forward in faith. Because it looks like you're barren. But remember, Hannah, appearances can be deceiving. Before I can produce a Samuel in you, Hannah, that's eternal. I have to produce a you that can be okay with giving him to me. Amen. Can I, can I talk to the church for just a minute? Don't, don't let the adversary use God's timing to frustrate your faith and purpose. Let me say that again. Don't let the adversary use God's timing to frustrate your faith and your purpose. Could it be... Lord, I'm running out of time. Could it be that not only was it that Hannah wasn't ready, But if you read on in the story, you remember when Samuel was of age, Hannah took him to Shiloh 
to the house of God and dropped him off with Eli and said, He's yours now. It could be that Eli wasn't ready. Samuel had a father too. Could have been that Elkanah wasn't ready for his wife to take his son and drop him off in Shiloh. I've got a lot of ball to play with him and a lot of hunting and fishing to do with him. No, but we promised him to the Lord. Elkanah had to be ready. It could be that your circumstances are not just that you're not ready, but that those things that God is preparing around you. The church may not be ready for your gifting. Well, hallelujah. But God's God's preparing. God's getting things ready. It's real simple. It's sometimes hard, but it's simple. Somebody said faith doesn't make things easy. Faith makes things possible. So don't confuse simple with easy. It's not it's simple, but it's not easy. Paul, by way of explanation, sums it up. Second Corinthians five and seven. I know you know the verse of scripture and could quote it by heart, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Hannah, things aren't always what they appear. It looks like I'm barren and it looks like I'm insignificant and it looks like I'm hopeless and it looks like I'm ruined. It looks like I'm trapped in poverty and it looks like I'm destined to be a failure. But faith always rises above appearances. We can see through the current circumstances into the promises of God. We can see through the temporary into the eternal. Amen. Verses 6 through 11, and I know my time is over if you'll stand with me. Point number three, Hannah. Remember your Hannah. Hannah, this is a God thing. The Bible said that God closed the womb of Hannah. This is, this is not happenstance. This is not coincidence. It's a God thing. It's a situation that is designed by God to put you in a place where He can bless you like you've never been blessed before. This is a God thing. The Bible says that Penina provoked Hannah, caused her to fret. If you study just a little bit, you see that that word provoke is most often translated. The Hebrew word is most often translated in the Old Testament as anger or angry. Little sweet, meek Hannah. Penina provoked her through the point that she became angry. She was mad about it. The word fret, we, when we think about fret, we think about sitting in the corner and poking at your bottom lip, pouting a little bit, fretting about it. That word that's translated as fret can also be translated as wrath. I don't know. I'm sure the translators got it right. But I think what God's really trying to say to us sometimes is there are things that can happen. People can provoke us to the point. The adversary, the enemy can provoke us to the point that we get angry, we get mad, we lose our cool. And that's a perfectly human thing. God, you better get me out of this. Now, yesterday. The enemy, the adversary, I'm about to lose my mind. If you don't do something, God, I'm the only one that's ever prayed those prayers. I know, I know. 
provoked her and caused her to fret, made her angry. But Hannah, this is a God thing. Here comes Elkanah. Last one, I promise I'll, I'll quit. Elkanah comes along. He, verse number 7, I think it is. Verse number 8. Then, then said Elkanah to her, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why, why eatest thou not? Why is thy heart grieved? Now this has gone on for years, remember, in Hannah's life. Am I not better to thee than ten sons? Hannah, you've got a destiny. Hannah, there's something that God wants to do. Hannah, you've got a dream. Hannah, you know there's a call. You know there, there's something that you're destined. You want to produce something. God sends us encouragers, well-meaning people who puts, put, put their arm around us and go, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Just, you know, aren't I better to you than ten sons? Just, just kind of forget about that dream. Maybe you ought to just, just forget about it. Just, just move on to something else. Well-meaning people who in trying to encourage us, discourage us. Because in our hearts, our spirit is saying, I'm not going to give up on it. I'm not going to forget about it. I've prayed for this for too long. I've been through too much. God has made too many promises. I will not forget. I will not lay it down. I will continue to lift it up before the Lord. I will continue to take it before the throne of God. God is going to give me what I have prayed for. Amen. And I'm ending. Hannah gets herself into this dilemma where we see and we feel her frustration and her pain because we're human just like she is. And because she couldn't see the whole picture, she's looking at the now. I want to take you to the New Testament in closing. Paul writes to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church had a lot of struggles, and thank God they did because we get a lot of wisdom through the books and the writings that Paul gave to them under the inspiration of God's Spirit. 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, just one verse of Scripture here, and, and I don't really have time to, to set the stage, but, but their, their, their vision got off a little bit. The Corinthian church, they, they, they began to allow themselves to look at things that weren't really important. And Paul writes to them, 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Could it be that every dilemma in life in our walk with God is not just a test to see how well we handle it or how spiritually mature we really are, but it's a spiritual incubator that has the ability to produce some things with eternal significance if we will allow God to develop in us the things that He initiates. Let my prayer be, God, change the way I look at things. Change the way I see things. God, give me God goggles. Give me God vision. Let me, let me see things the way that... that that you see things. Let me discern the eternal in every situation. Hannah, you think you're the victim, but from an eternal perspective, from things unseen, you're really the victor. Let me ask you a question. 
Who were, what were the names of Penina's kids? We don't know. I don't even know that history records. Oh, but we know who Samuel is. What God produces and what God brings to bear in us will be the things that have an impact in this world. They are eternal things. I want the things that now I've got my eyes on what I possess, what I want. The now things. God is looking at the eternal things. Amen. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word today. Lord, speak to our hearts. Open our understanding. Let us set our hearts on things eternal. Let us look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, to plant in us and to grow in us things that are beyond the temporal that step into the realm of the kingdom and produce for your sake. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody said amen. God bless you in Jesus' name.